Hey, Border Fuel listeners. Before we start the show, I wanted to tell you why we chose to host Border Fuel Podcast on Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Two, there's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Three, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Four, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Five, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Lastly, download the Anchor app for free or go to Anchor FM to get started today. Thanks for listening to the Border Fuel Podcast. Now, let's start the show. Chiefs Kingdom. Welcome back. This is another edition of the Chiefs Tank Podcast. Cody Bell. I got Cody Bell here next to me, joined also by Peyton Spots. Guys, it's another Wednesday. Another Wednesday. Peyton, we're here in the flesh. Another week, another dub. Yeah, we're all three recording this in the same room tonight because we're just here now, so you're going to have to deal with this. Guys, um, they rolled into the Big Easy. They came away with a three-point win over a pretty good Saints team. What did you guys take away from the game this week? Because to me, it seemed like it might have been Patrick Mahomes' best game passing of the season, but his statistics I don't think backed up how well he played. Yeah, he only passed for like, what, 250 yards? Yeah, if we're going to look at the numbers here real quick, Patrick Mahomes had a very average day by his standards. He was – 254 on 26 of 47 throwing with three touchdown passes, but still he made some throws that you don't see a lot of guys make. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, he had a good game. But I think my biggest takeaway from the game probably is that the score is not going to reflect how handily we won that game. And I think if you look at the time of possession, we pretty much controlled the ball for the entire game. I think we had like, what, 40 minutes time of possession compared to their 19. Yeah. Like that, so. Yeah. You look at the Chiefs' possession time, and I'll let Peyton chime in on this here in a minute because I remember we were watching the game together, and he said, "Man, we're kind of getting whatever we want running the ball." And the, the Chiefs won the TOP battle, forty-one to fourteen, or to forty-one minutes and fourteen seconds compared to the Saints' eighteen minutes and forty-six seconds. Yeah, it really felt like we were in control of that game the entire time, and the score really did not reflect how it went. But this year, that's just kind of most games are honestly like that. If you just look at the score, um, they're re- it's really never that close. But, yeah. Yeah, and you take a look at it, you know, KC total yards, 411. New Orleans total yards, 285. KC first downs, 34. New Orleans, 15. Tie in the turnover battle. Obviously, the Chiefs dominated the turnover takeaway. The Chiefs were 9 of 18 on third down. The Saints went 1 of 11. And I think we would be mistaken if we didn't start and talk about how well the Chiefs' defense was able to execute early on because I can't remember a time when I've seen Drew Brees ever in his career struggle that bad. You guys think it was just coming off the injury or do you think he's done for good now as the Saints' go-to quarterback? I think it's kind of – the writing's been on the wall for a while. It's his last year, obviously. Um, This was the first time he ever started off over six in a game, um, and you could tell he was 
kind of concerned about getting hit and whatnot with all those fractured ribs and that long. Uh, yeah, that's just not something you come back and hit the ground running from. So probably a little bit of both. Yeah, Peyton, I, I would agree with Peyton on that. You could kind of see it last year, though. They had a big run earlier in the season, and then late in the season it just seemed like they started kind of leaking oil. And you could tell that a lot of that was on Drew Brees, him just not being able to really push the ball down the field. Um, I don't know if there was any reports that came out last year that he was dealing with injury, but you could see that. Uh, this kind of felt like a game where they were going to put him in there and just kind of see where they at with him. I feel like they probably knew where they, where they, where they were at with Taysom Hill, um, seeing if Drew Brees had any, any magic left. And I don't think he did. Like Peyton said, it was the first time he's thrown five incompletions to start the game. But Caleb, what I would want to talk about is how well, how well our defense did play. I know we gave up 29 points. I'm going to say that seven of those points aren't the defense fault, and we're going to blame it on a guy I'm sure we'll talk about. Two of them for sure. Nine of those points actually aren't the defense's fault because they got to start the ball on, like, the 10-yard line, and then they got to have a free point off of a safety. There's a guy on this show who we really hate, who all of us (laughs) have not liked for a while now, and we're going to talk about him here in a second. You know what number tells me, though, the Chiefs' defense was on today? If you take a look at Drew Brees' QBR, 23.5. For those of you who don't know a lick about football, 23.5 is ass. That's all there is to it. No, but, I mean, you take a look at the Chiefs' defense. Ironically, our leading tackler was obviously the worst player on the defense, Ben Neiman, somehow finished with those eight total tackles and five solos. But if you watched the game and took away one thing and you didn't think that Legereus Sneed played the best game of any defender on defense, get your freaking eyes examined because that young man was not only flying around the field, he was doing the little things that you have to do to be able to win games against good teams like the Saints. There was a stat released by Pro Football Focus that Legereus Sneed was, is the only defensive player this year to record a sack, an interception, and three pass breakups in a game this season. I talked about it last week, how I thought he was going to be really special, and I think we saw a glimpse of that against New Orleans. Yeah, absolutely. I'm doing a breakdown for Snead's film right now. I mean, even on some of the plays that you wouldn't consider highlight plays, they had him lined up man-to-man in the slot versus Emmanuel Sanders, and you see him just kind of press him at the line of scrimmage and force him to take an outside release, and then he just runs stride for stride with him down the field and breeze. It just forces an overthrow. There's no shot he had. He's doing all the little things right. Do you guys think that going forward in the future, he is going to be the guy at that cornerback, the corner that we have not ever seen in our lives in Kansas City? You think he's going to be that special guy that could maybe make a pro, will be a potential all-pro caliber guy, and maybe at some point in his career compete for a defensive player of the year? Who's the last Pro Bowl corner that we had? Flowers? Uh, Sean Smith. Oh, Sean Smith. Sean Smith yeah, Sean Smith for a little bit there. And then we, the Raiders. we went into the dark times after that. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I think, I think he's got an opportunity to be. Um, Spags does so much with him that it will be so easy for him to give up a couple catches and not have the numbers just because he moves around so much. But then you, on the other side of the coin, he could easily produce big numbers just because he's being moved around so much. And there's so many more opportunities to make plays. So, I think going forward, he could be that kind of guy. Uh, it'll be interesting to see going forward, though. Yeah, I think for sure we've seen him just progress even just in this year. And with Spags there, I really trust Spags. I'm excited to see how he develops young corner going forward. 
Absolutely. I agree with you guys. One of my favorite things I noticed they were doing with him this week when he was in the slot, they blitzed him a lot off the edge. And when he's that slot defender like that, it's just making it easier for him to be able to just get in there. And, you know, he made a tackle off of the, off of coming off of a blitz off the edge one time and he got the, obviously the key sack, you know, I felt like he was really leading the way for that charge, which is strange because you look at all the guys on the team. Number one, take a look at what the Chiefs did, though. They only gave up nine points in the first half, and without a couple of shenanigans in there somewhere, the game should have never been as close as it was. So I can't really put too much blame for the game getting close on the defense just because I don't think it did. I can blame you two guys. Who? Chris Jones, Frank Clark. Didn't, yeah. Didn't have too great of a I think we need to address that right now because – the Saints' interior offensive line has been struggling all season long. So I thought if there was a game for Chris Jones to get right, it would be this week. They have a rookie right guard. Their center's been inconsistent. Their, left, their starting left guard even went out with an injury in the middle of the game. Chris Jones recorded no tackles and just two quarterback hits on the day. Frank Clark outside at the edge. Obviously, he's going against Ryan Ramchick and Teron Armstead. I think they're the best pair of – the best duo of tackles – in the NFL. So I'm going to give him less flack on that, but still one tackle and no pressures, no quarterback hits, nothing at all. That's still unacceptable for how much they're paying that, even though I thought somehow the Chiefs had a really strong day defending the run. I just thought the defensive line wasn't there with the pass rush they showed the week prior in Miami. Did you get a chance to see Frank Clark had an interview with somebody, I think I want to say with Yahoo Sports, might have been ESPN, but Yahoo Sports is the first thing that comes to mind, uh, where she asked him, and you could clearly tell she was probing the question to go that clearly he hasn't had the season that he's wanted. Did you get a chance to watch that? I have not seen it yet. Well, I'll summarize it. So, basically, she's probing, asking the question, of, you know, Frank, you're not printing up the same numbers you are. Your season, at least on paper, doesn't really seem like the same season you're having. And the answer that I was hoping to get from Flame Clark was, yeah, it hasn't been that strong, you know, um, yada, 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 whatever. It, mm-hmm. it, it will be better. It could be better. And instead he said, you know, I, I'm not having the season I would like. I think it could always be better. And I don't think he hit on enough that he's really – he really hasn't done that much. I mean, and then, Caleb, we pointed out a couple weeks ago, the quality of his sacks that he does have this year, most of them are probably low-quality sacks. So They're more covered sacks outside of a couple. Right. And so – I would like to see in that interview, I wish you guys would have watched it, that he would have harped on himself and been a little bit harder on himself as far as trying to get more production out of him compared to last year. It was kind of disheartening to see a little bit, actually. Yeah, and, you know, it's just frustrating because, you know, coming up in the playoff run, the Chiefs are about to go on. They're going to be going against some good offensive lines. So the D-line needs to get it figured out. I still think that Derek Noddy played another outstanding game. You know, he's just our run stuffer. He made a couple of nice plays in there. Uh, Tyron Matthew, he was my Chiefs take last week. He kind of underperformed, I thought, on his home field. He gave up the one on a very confusing play, but he gave up the long rip to Emmanuel Sanders. But it was a play in which it was literally just bad team defense because the Saints are lining up ready to snap the ball and old number uh, number 56, and I'm not talking about Derek Johnson is sitting there trying to, with his head turned to the Drew Brees, trying to tell people what to do, and all of a sudden they snap the ball. And Charvarius Ward, I don't know what he was doing. He said, he said, I don't care, I'm blitzing. He said, this assignment's over now. And oh. then 
overall, that play, and we watched this play right before we started the show. We watched the play, and it looked to be a pretty simple cover two concept. What was confusing about the play was, is obviously the Chiefs defense wasn't on the same page. So from the secondary-wise, you're probably thinking that, you know, you just cover the guy in front of you. Javarius Ward didn't do much of anything on that play. Matter of fact, he tried to go jam the guy in a close split. Whiffed, he got an outside release. And after he didn't do much of anything, then he decided to blitz, which he clearly wasn't going to affect the play that way either, which kind of left Tyran to cover two people down the field, and he kind of jumped on a, on a deep out route. Um, third and ten, I kind of understand what he was thinking, but in a situation where it seemed to be the Chiefs were playing cover two, you would have liked him to see him play deep, and he didn't, and he yeah. gave up a big game. It was pretty clear they were on the same page. Just even yeah. watching it live, you could see Tyron was frustrated, kind of looking around. Uh, just wasn't wasn't a good good play. It's plays like that that make you want to drink. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know something else. Uh, ben Neiman again played most of the snaps, and um, we'll get to this here when we do a little preview for the Falcons this week. But it doesn't matter if Steve Spagnola doesn't want to play <laughs> Willie Gay this week because he kind of has to because the old coronavirus bug is made itself now in the Chiefs linebacker room. Hopefully nothing comes of that, but Anthony Hitchens might not be playing in the game. From what I've heard, even though I thought Hitch played in, I thought Hitch played another pretty solid game. What did you guys think about him? Yeah, I was satisfied with his performance for sure. I think Hitchens is probably having one of his better years of his career probably. I think this is probably his best year of his career yeah. in Kansas City for sure. Yeah. For sure. But he's going to be on the COVID list. It's sounding like it's a close contact. They don't know. Young Willie might get a chance to play. I don't have a snap count for Young Willie up here right now, but he did have one pass defended. You know what? There's a couple of big numbers. The Chiefs only had one sack, but they did have seven quarterback hits and nine passes defended. That's a lot to throw at a quarterback who hasn't played in a few weeks and is coming off of an injury. Broke damn near all his ribs and punctured a lung. So, yeah, he's probably a little skittish. Did sure. you guys see the statistic before the game that they actually had no idea if his ribs were healed or not? Yeah, yeah. I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, a pretty smart game plan by Spags to go, all right, well, we're, we're just going to send a bunch of people out and see if we can take all the hits. The Saints do not care about player safety. And Sean Payton <laughs> was the head coach of the team that was putting bounties on the likes of Alex Smith and Frank Gore. So, it was like, hmm, we have a chance to compete for the first-round seed or we can kill our franchise star who's been here through thick and thin. Speaking All right. Of that, I want to talk about this play, that punch that Cam Jordan threw. What did you guys think about that? I thought it was football. I, thought, I think yeah. shit like that happens all the time, but he got caught because he's playing on the end. I bet you if he was a three-technique doing that to a guard, no one would have seen it. We can get into that more in just a minute. Do you guys have any more big takeaways from the old defensive side of the football? Because, you know, it's like you say, it's week in, week out. People get mad at the defense and say, Spags doesn't know what he's doing. Spags doesn't do this. Spags didn't do that. Well, there's a reason why this game was close, and I think we're getting ready to get into it now here because the Chiefs gifted them nine points. One of them, you know what? Saints have a good pass rush, and the Chiefs' offensive line is bad. So. We'll give them that strip sack. That was New Orleans just being better than us. Yeah, they were just better than us on that play. We'll move into the offense now. But that was just New Orleans just being better than the Chiefs because Andrew Wiley is a guard, and he was playing right tackle. And Eric Fisher has no back muscles left. And 
he was getting the hell bull rushed out of him. So just tip your cap to them. It was a big turnover late in the game. But you know what's stupid? You know what's dumb? I'll tell you what's stupid. What's stupid? Having Demarcus Robinson return punts, that's stupid. You know, and you have guys who have proven that they can return punts like uh, Tyreek Hill, Hill McCole Harmon, Rashad Fenton returned punts in Byron college. Byron Pingle returned punts. His return kicks and punts for us this season. And Andy said, all right, guys, all we have to do – because, mind you, there's still time left. Like, we have a timeout. We have, like, 30 seconds. I'm like – how much time do we really need to, at least a field to set up an old Harry Butker 60-yard prayer? And Andy should have just been like, all right, guys, situational football. He's going to tell me, he says, situational football here. Just catch the ball and fair catch it if you can, and let's just get Pat a chance. So what does DeMarcus Robinson do? Catch the ball, he catches backwards. the ball off of a bounce, runs backwards, and then instead of securing the ball to make sure the offense gets a chance – he runs with it out of his hand, and someone comes in and punches it away. And the Chiefs, honestly, honest to God, they got lucky. It wasn't a touchdown, and that ball rolled out of the end zone. Very lucky. And I've been – I have not been a Marcus Robinson fan for a while now. I don't even know why he's on the field as much as he is on offense. And Pat throws him the ball a decent amount of time. That just might be because of all the attention that gets thrown to Tyreek and Kelsey. But, man, every time he catches the ball, you just kind of hold your breath. It seems that way, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, I, I felt like as the seasons progressed, I've started to trust Marcus Robinson more and more. And then that pretty much ruined it for me. But I do think that him and Pat have a good relationship, at least on the field. Yeah. And that's why you see him get the ball as much as he does. I also do think that Marcus Robinson is not a bad receiver. I think when he has the ball in his hands, I'm a little nervous that he's either one, going to fumble it or run backwards or do something stupid, which seems to be kind of his knock as a player. But as a receiver, I think he's a number two receiver on a lot of teams. I, I just – I don't know why you put him back there to return punts in that situation, especially in a game that's considered a big game in the NFL and could determine if you get the one seed later down the road. I would like to see the Chiefs just have the ball and let's see what Pat Mahomes would do. He's the best player on the field. Give him the ball. Special teams and turnovers can change the entire momentum of football games drastically. So special teams turnovers can drastically alter the outcome. And that's when we saw the Saints start to get back into the football game was right after that. That literally sparked them when it didn't need to be sparked. And it was something just as simple as just fair catching the ball or just running out of bounds or just catching it and falling down. Caleb, they're trying – the NFL is – I don't know if you – We've been saying this for a while now. They're trying to get rid of special yeah. teams. So the best thing you can do on special teams is don't let it lose you a game. Don't let it result in the other team getting points. That's the absolute best thing you can do. Well, I guess, you know, Pringle ran one back this year. But special teams is being worked out of the NFL. I got to put some. Don't let it cost you a game. I got to put some of this on Dave Tobe, too. Because Dave Tobe always wants to seem to have some exotic plan on special teams. You don't need an exotic plan when you have Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback. You just need to not shoot yourself in the face. And he seems to do that a lot. I just – I know everyone thinks – I mean, I know the Chiefs have really, according to PFF and other sources, the Chiefs have really good special teams numbers, and they're always ranked highly. They always have a couple of explosive special teams plays. But for how many of those explosive special teams plays is there some stupid penalty because they're trying to run a dumbass kickback or they're trying to take some punt that they should – just take your fair catch, take your knee, give it to Patrick. 
and then <laughs> give yeah, it to Patrick. There's, we don't need any pooch kicks or anything like that. Yeah. Bucker, kick it out of the end zone. You can do it in any place in America. Just have him kick it out of the end zone. We saw it earlier this year. I don't know. I'm starting to lose my patience with Dave Tome. And, you know, I, I think I'm remembering back to a game last year in a very obvious let's go for it on fourth down but sneak fake it situation in the AFC championship game. You guys know what I'm talking about, that fake pass or the punt pass the Titans threw on us. Was that not the most obvious they're about to fake this situation in the history of football? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lines in the middle. So I'll say this: Dave Tobe, right now, I think the fact that he is still on a Chiefs coach is because Daniel Sorensen is just saving his job. Saved his job against the Texans. <laughs> That's and Harrison Bucker probably did also. That's pretty much all there is to it. Moving back into the offense, though, touched on this earlier in the show. Seems like Patrick Mahomes had a very pedestrian day. But when you look at some of the throws he made and some of the hits he took, you just got to just say, what am I watching right now? Because the Chiefs got Patrick Mahomes hit 11 times this game. He was sacked four times. He was taking a beating. Now, obviously, the Chiefs offensive line was incredibly beat up. Cody, what does this tell you about Mahomes' toughness, but also his ability to compete under any circumstances? Honestly, just looking back on last year, I don't think it taught me anything. I knew Mahomes was tough when he dislocated his knee, didn't tear any ligaments, and he was back three weeks later. And I knew Mahomes could perform under duress in the Super Bowl when it looked like we weren't going to really block anybody up front, and somehow we still won that game. So it didn't teach me anything new. It just – all it did was solidify what I already knew is that game on the line, close game, tight game, give the ball to 15. It doesn't matter. We'll figure it out. It wasn't even just the offensive line, of course, played poorly, but we had receivers dropping balls yeah. left and right, and it just doesn't seem to phase them. Some quarterbacks, you know, they'll get physically upset, and you can tell kind of messing with them a little bit, but Mahomes, like, there's been nothing that's thrown at him that he has not handled and just continued to dominate. Yeah. The touchdown pass he threw to McCole Hardman, where do you guys rank that in all-time Mahomes plays? Top five for you guys? It, it, it has to be. I didn't know if he was throwing the ball away or if he made a stupid decision and Miko came out of anywhere. I'm going, wow. What a throw. What a really good catch by Miko, too, especially with a guy that I would say doesn't have, you know, the greatest hands. But, yeah, what, what a play. Cody Cody was killing McColl for dropping that uh, contested pass that he should have caught. Cody said, I'm about done with McColl, but then – you look on the tape and everything's covered up, but McColl just kind of has a little bit of acceleration, like and Pat kind of does like his little like little pump fake there, and he sees McColl just accelerate a step ahead of his guy, and he just leaves it right there. And I mean, the timing couldn't have been better. I mean, it was a literal get one foot down and drag the toe touchdown. It was one of the, I think that's probably a top five. That's definitely top a top three. five. I say top. You three. top? Do you think that's top three? Top three. Okay. I think it's top five. I think for me with that pass for Mahomes, it's hard to beat the the two plays he made versus the Ravens in 2018. It's hard to top the run, and it's really hard to top, top Wasp. But holy cow, that was a heck of a throw. That reminds me of what Aaron Rodgers did against the Chiefs last year at Arrowhead, and everyone said they'd never seen a throw so good in their entire life. Well, 
now you, you've seen one. Now. Well, that was just radical nonsense is all that was. You've never seen it. <laughs> radical if nonsense. 15, if you've watched 15 play, you've seen some of the throws that he's made. I, yeah, I would say it's probably top five somewhere in his career. If you go back and you watch the play, Janoris Jenkins, when he threw the ball, he must have thought he was throwing the ball away or, or not to anybody in the area. Does he just basically stop moving after the ball left his hand? Yeah, Janoris Jenkins hasn't been watching a lot of film then. Because, uh-huh. I mean, anytime that guy throws the ball on the field, you got to be right. We just brought up Aaron Rodgers real quickly. Here's a little fun little bit of tidbit of information where everyone's saying, oh, Aaron Rodgers is out there by himself because he's clearly not. Patrick Mahomes, as I just mentioned, was hit 11 times. Aaron Rodgers has been hit 12 times all season. Patrick Mahomes was hit 11 times this game. Aaron Rodgers has been hit 12 times this season. And everyone goes, oh, well, Rodgers is by himself. Is he? He's got Aaron Jones and uh, Devontae Adams. Yeah, really good tight end up there in Green. Tonyan, who probably is a Pro Bowl snub. They have the best left tackle in the NFL right now, David Bach. Can you guys imagine what if Mahomes had the time to just sit back there that Rodgers did? Sammy Watkins would have 1,500 yards receiving. Now, that's who I was wanting to get into. Let's uh, get into it. Sammy had a great day. I was really happy with what I saw from him, and hopefully he can continue this going into the playoffs and stay healthy, obviously. But he's one of the more sure-handed guys we have. Uh, whatever ball goes his way, I'm not worried about it. Uh, he's great hands, great athlete. It's just been his health. But I'll take it. If he can, from here on out, if he's healthy – Let's go. Yeah, and Sammy had four catches this game for 60 yards, averaging 15. It seemed like on some of Mahomes' more sensational plays this game, he was the guy that Patrick was looking to on those completions just because, I mean, they can't cover everyone forever. I mean, they got to give Tyreek his respect. They got to give Kelsey his respect. But most of the times or not, Sammy's going to be one-on-one. And I think we were seeing that, those long-developing plays – he was able to get open several times, and he, I think he was really showed a strong stepping point forward for how the rest of his season is going to go. And I think that that's a very key indication of what the Chiefs are going to look like on offense moving forward the rest of the season into the playoffs. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think one thing you can take to the window is that in these close games, even going back to last year in the playoff run, Sammy Watkins going to have sure hands. He's going to catch the football, and he's not going to turn the ball over. He's such a an underrated weapon, I think, for the Chiefs, especially in these big games, because you can just rely on him. I think on a lot of other teams, barring his injury problem, he's the number one receiver. Oh, most yeah. definitely. I mean, that's what he was drafted in the NFL to be. It's just those injury problems. We're starting to see playoff Sammy show his head a little bit right now, and that should be scary because if I can think of games where Sammy has played his absolute best, it seems to always be – the last two AFC championship games, the last two division rounds, and then he had a pretty underrated game in the Super Bowl last year. I think he was second on the team in catches. You know, I think he was actually third on the team in catches, but I think he had close to as many yards as Hill did. So, I mean, he's starting to turn it on. Now you're starting to see that dynamic. But something else the Chiefs were able to do really well this week well, number before we get into the running game, Travis Kelsey, it didn't seem like he did a whole lot, but for some guys, eight catches for 68 yards and a touchdown. That's the best career game day. of it. That's a career day. For him, it's like people were like, oh, you had a quiet day. He didn't break the record this week. Nope. He's going to shatter it coming up versus Atlanta. 
But again, on some of those Mahomes improvised plays, it was really Sammy and Travis, the guys he was going to a lot on those underneath routes. And I just think the Saints were trying to press and just jam Kelsey on the line a lot. He did a good job to me of just keeping his route alive long enough and then just getting a, a fraction open for Mahomes to be able to scramble enough to be able to get a ball off. Yeah, I think this game, just now going kind of looking back at defensive sides on both sides, it was pretty much man-to-man the whole day. Mm-hmm. But that pass rush of the Saints between Trey Hendrickson and Cameron Jordan and the Saints' ability to drop, you know, seven, eight guys and still get pressure rushing three, and we're having to block, you know, five, six guys with running backs and tight ends chipping. Mm-hmm. It made it really, really tough on Mahomes. Uh, I, I thought he handled it really well. And, I, I mean, I, I got to give it to him. Trey Henderson gave Eric Fisher all he wanted, and the rest of that line, if Cameron Jordan hadn't gone out in that game, Might have been could, six, yeah, could six, be six. a different game. See, a lot of people said that Andrew Wiley frustrated Cameron Jordan but you go down and look at the day that Cameron Jordan had, you know, it wasn't one of his better games. And I have a lot of respect for Cameron Jordan. I really don't care too much about what he did. I'm looking for him on their little right there. I can't read. You know, the dude had a few tackles. He had a TFL. He didn't have a sack, but he did get a couple of hits. He got a hit on Mahomes. That think, sounds like a guy that's a top played defensive player in the NFL. Yeah, that sounds like a guy that was out there making a difference for his team. And, you know, he's made the Pro Bowl multiple times. I think what frustrated him was the fact that Patrick Mahomes, he was keen in on a sack. Mahomes had fled the pocket. He had drifted out. And he said, all right, here's the sack. And Patrick said, all right, I'm going to stop my feet and just and start backpedaling the other direction. I'm going to throw a dart, and you're not going to tackle me. I don't think people understand this. From a defensive lineman's perspective, when you're getting these plays that Patrick Mahomes is just running around being an ass clown in the backfield looking for someone, those guys are getting – that is gassing those dudes. I mean, that is literally gassing people. And that's not even just the defense tackles. If you're a DB and you have a quarterback staying alive forever but he's not willing – he's not running yet, you have to keep covering – that's why Sammy Watkins and guys are getting open their single covers because these guys are literally just getting gassed out there. And, you know, I think it's really old, but I think the Chiefs' offense might have just been more conditioned than the Saints' defense was in the game. Caleb, if you asked any defensive coordinator in the NFL what type of throws they would take from a quarterback, none of them would say sit in the pocket. None of them would say rolling out, throwing on the run to the strong side. All of them would say they would want a quarterback going backwards, not looking at the receiver he's throwing to, throwing it on an unlevel plane at an awkward arm angle, and Mahomes just seems to make it work every time. It's – it's incredible. That play where he had where he was rolling out, he stopped on a dime, came forward, and threw it. Yeah, came forward and threw a sidearm pass to Sammy Watkins. Is that the play you're talking about? Yes. Uh, it, it also has to be in his top ten plays of his career because that, that was just incredible. Absolutely. Do you, now, something that's been going around Chiefs Twitter is I think people are saying the Saints are a real dirty team and they do dirty things. I get Cam Jordan throwing the punch. That's trench warfare. Stuff like that, I think, happens every game. Yeah. I see dirty stuff like that happen all the time on film. I thought it was honestly a soft call, and I'm not just defending Cam Jordan because he is one of my favorite non-Chiefs who I like to watch play. I just thought it's kind of a weak call that they're going to call out on two dudes both fighting in there, but everyone was freaking out saying the Saints are dirty or whatever. You guys think the Saints are actually dirty, or you think they just play the game the right way? I think they play a physical brand of football. Anytime you play a physical brand of football and you're, you know, 
man to man the whole game, whether you know you're in the trenches or you're in the secondary. But that kind of stuff happens. That stuff probably happens three or four times in every NFL game that we just don't see or isn't highlighted or is just stuck in the pile. So yeah, I don't think Cameron Jordan's a dirty player. I actually think he's the Saints um man of the year candidate. So that kind of contributes to what kind of guy he is. Right. Um I don't think they're a dirty dirty team. If anybody, if I were to say anybody on the Saints was dirty, I would say it would be um Chauncey Gardner Johnson. He's a guy that you watch a couple times and he makes some dirty plays. But again, I don't even know if he's a dirty player. I think he just plays the game really hard. Yeah, I didn't see anything that I was too upset about from the Saints. Uh, I think a lot of it is just still that stigma from Bounty Gate all those years ago, yeah. which says a lot. But no, I didn't see anything that would suggest they're a dirty team this past week at least. Yeah. I think it's almost a different league from them, though. Right. If you go back 15 years ago, now all, all the old heads will tell you that everybody hated each other, and that's not necessarily true either. But guys now are, are friends, and, and they get along for the most part team to team across the NFL. I think most of that's died out. I don't think as far as now that's true anymore. I don't think, though, like if a guy like Juju Smith-Suster came and danced on someone's field, you know, I feel like you might be obligated to kind of light his ass up if was, he did yeah. some stuff like that. That was great to see. That was hilarious. You know, there's Chiefs fans, like, concerned right now that the Chiefs beat a team that could potentially go to the Super Bowl from the NFC by only three points, like, freaking out, say, this team isn't putting people away, this team isn't doing that. Imagine how you feel right now if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers and you just lost to Cincinnati on national television. Without Joe Burrow. Without <laughs> Joe Burrow. And – yeah, they and they lost their best receiver in that game, Tyler Boyd. Yes, they did. Guys, you know what was really weird this game? The offensive line was really bad because it was really just a makeshift ragtag unit. Chiefs had 179 rushing yards. Now, 37 of those came from Pat scrambling, but Le'Veon, he had 15 carries for 4.1 average and a touchdown. Anything over four, that's a successful run in my book. Clyde, before his injury, had 14 carries for 79 yards and was averaging – Five and a point six yards a pop. Now it was clear at one point in the game the Saints were selling out to stop the run, but there were some times where the Saints were getting penetration on these runs, and it seemed like both Clyde and Le'Veon were just, you know, Clyde was doing his little like herky jerky movement and then hitting the <laughs> hole, and Le'Veon was just it, it almost dare I say it, but it almost looked like he's starting to look like vintage Steelers, Le'Veon again. The Steelers, Le'Veon that killed the Chiefs time in and time out for so many years. I've been really clamoring to see him get more and more touches every week, and this week, great week for him. And I look forward to, hopefully, with Clyde out, he'll get a lot more reps and maybe even continue to even, like, get back into it a little more. And what, like, not a there's not a better time for Le'Veon to look. Exactly. The best he's looked in a Chiefs uniform, especially with Clyde going out, which I was sitting there with one of my roommates watching the game. And the way he landed and the way he was laying on the ground or moving, uh, my friend's mom is a nurse, and she texted me. She goes, that's probably a hip injury. I imagine he's done for the season, which we obviously could have all guessed he was done for the season. But it actually being a hip and back injury, um, I'll be anxious to see what that does for his career. Does he come back and recover from that? Because that's one of those weird injuries. I thought, they said, it was, I thought they said it was just a hip strain and a high ankle strain. Yeah. That's what they came out with? I hadn't seen that. That's what they came out that's with. That's incredible. Yeah, so Andy Reid, so listen, Andy said he's probably not going to play the rest of the regular season. I mean, come time to maybe get to Tampa Bay, you know, maybe Clyde comes in on a little rest. All I know is Le'Veon Bell starting to run the ball like this, 
it just feels like somewhere football karma is lining itself up. Gods. The yeah. football gods have collided, and they've said, ha, 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 Mike Tomlin sold his soul for a TikTok dancing star, <laughs> and now he's got to ride with a fat old man and a TikTok kid because he said, well, I don't feel like paying Antonio Brown or Le'Veon Bell because we don't feel like trying to win the Super Bowl anymore. And you know what the Chiefs said? We'll take Le'Veon. That option play, him and Mahomes Ram. Just oh, looked. that was dirty. You can dude. tell that is exactly in Le'Veon's wheelhouse. That's what he needs to be doing. Uh, just look forward to seeing more plays. Get like him that. in space, dude. But that they attack that edge. What what a great play call. Yeah. First off, Andy Reid. That was awesome. They attack that edge. That was the first play that Cam Jordan was out, and they wasted no time attacking nope. the new right. His Cam Jordan's backup came in, and the Chiefs, uh, Wiley at tackle, he came down and chipped the three technique, got up to the backer perfectly. Sammy and Travis Kelsey had two excellent blocks as Kelsey was in motion. The defensive end, he just stopped. He just stopped and didn't know what to do. He saw Le'Veon, and he saw Patrick, and he just didn't do anything. And when you don't do anything and you're on the field, you're wrong. So he was in no man's life. Pat easily ran past him. And then, you know, the deep, the safety says, I have to step up now and stop this. And Pat, like five yards down the field, flips it to Le'Veon like they're playing option veer Navy Army football game. And they threw that little option pass. And it was – or the little option. And, I mean, it was six. I mean, that was beautiful. We're starting to see Mahomes' vision, I think, is starting to make the option play a little bit. of Now, I don't want to see it all the time, but it's like a great little thing to sprinkle in when you need to be it, to see it. You know, last time I think we saw the Chiefs like run that play like multiple times in the game actually was the Super Bowl, and they were going against a good 49ers defensive line. That's one of the ways Andy is going to try to help the Chiefs' poor offensive line play better is by getting the Saints in some bad situations. In plays like that, you know, I think what what's so cool about that play is, you know, for most option teams, it's common sense to keep that pitch relationship down the field regardless, because at any moment the quarterback can pitch it to you. But when you're the Chiefs and you run the option once every three games, mm-hmm. for them to be on the same page, what six seven yards down the field, and for Holmes to be able to pitch it back, the Le'Veon, which ended up being pretty much a walk in touchdown, I thought that was incredible, especially since Le'Veon's been there what. Five, six weeks? Yeah. Yeah. He looked really natural, but just like he's been in training camp all summer. Right. Like, no. Like he's been a part of the team right. for a year, and he's been in the offseason. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's unbelievable. He's figuring it out. I'll say this, though. I know there's people on Twitter that they say, never run the ball ever. Every time you run the football, it's just a chance we can't score. And he goes, the analytics don't match up to run the football. I'll tell all those people, one of the best ways that when you have a bad offensive line, one of the best ways to slow down another team's pass rush is to run the football effectively on them because the defensive linemen have to start hesitating. I was actually talking – I commented on a dude from PFF was saying earlier this week, he was going like, I see the Chiefs – it's not a play action. He was calling it a play action. These are run actions. There's a big difference between play action and run action. Play action is like an actual faking of the ball. Run action where the linemen are, are like actually going to sell their run steps for a couple of plays and then retreat back. On run action, it's literally just a quick run sell. The Chiefs do it all the time on a lot of their big plays. It's a quick run set, but the linemen are clearly in pass plays. That is literally just to steal the eyes of either the linebackers or the defensive line and just 
give Mahomes just that extra split second to be able to have time to, per, to throw the football. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a good analysis. I, so I don't have a lot to say on top of that, except other than you're right. People that say don't run the football, I mean, look like 179 rushing yards, where I don't think anyone was complaining about that. Yeah, okay, so the perfect example of this, just outside looking in, is the Baltimore Ravens. 85% of the time, you know, the Baltimore Ravens are going to run the ball. It worked the first year when teams didn't have any film on it, mm-hmm. and it doesn't work anymore. It, in the NFL, it does not work to be one-dimensional. Right. And that's why you see so many two-minute situations be unsuccessful. That's why you see so many teams like the Baltimore Ravens, the Titans, the Cleveland Browns, once they get in the late playoffs and they play teams that are good football players and are as talented as them, it, the schemes like that doesn't work. So, yeah, Caleb, I think that's a great point that, honestly, to protect our offensive line, it's important that we run the ball effectively going forward. Yeah, because, you know, the Chiefs' offensive line, there are a lot of things. They're not great at protecting the passer right now. They're going to need to be able to do that moving down the line. I don't predict the Chiefs to run the ball a lot coming up this week against the Atlanta Falcons because the Falcons' pass defense is gone. They're atrocious. They are atrocious. However, I will give them their credit. These last two or three games, they've looked a lot better. It's weird. Their secondary is not that great, but their pass run – they. They get the second most pressure on the passer of any team in the NFL, which is wild for a, a below 500 football team to do that. That also gives up the, some of the most passing yards of any team in the game. I don't know if that's just because they blitz a lot and because they just say, well, we know our secondary sucks, so we're just going to send it all. But this week, I think they we're going to see the Chiefs rely on a heavy dose of pass the ball and get the one seed and get out of there is what I think we're going to see this week. Yeah, the Falcons, what do they do best? Low leads. This week, I was watching that Tampa-Atlanta game, and it really looked like that Atlanta had that game in control, but then I just didn't, didn't think, oh, the Falcons do what they do best, blow a lead, end up losing the game. And I'm just hoping this week that the Chiefs, not that I'm worried about us winning or anything, just – being in control from start to finish, just playing a good game because most likely this can be our last game our starters play. Probably won't play week 17. I just want to see a solid first quarter, fourth quarter. Yeah, we win this week. We clinch, we clinch home, home playoffs. Yes, we do. God, would that not be crazy to go to a home COVID playoff game? It'd be crazy. But, yeah, talking on the comeback real quick because I think this isn't, this isn't anything to do with Chiefs related. This is just a general football thing. Atlanta had given up a couple comebacks throughout the season, and their answer to that was to fire Dan Quinn. They've given up a couple. Well, Dan, to be fair, Dan Quinn's given up a he's couple given of comebacks. Yeah. He's given up a lot of comebacks. And I have, I have never been the one to say that when teams give up comebacks, that's, that's a coaching. A lot of times you can look at that and pull up the film and watch that they didn't change schemes, which is – Caleb and I, we talked about this. We – Later, later in the game against the Saints, we started giving up points. It's because we were running the same thing, and the Saints were starting to figure it out. Drew Brees is too good of a quarterback not to. But I don't think the answer is, you know, always firing the coach, which seems to be a common theme in the NFL. Uh, however, what does scare me about the Falcons' defense is, I would say top to bottom, so secondary to defensive line, they've probably got one of the faster defenses in the NFL. Uh, Raheem Morris is their defensive coordinator. Former linebacker just loves speed. He's there, it's all over the field. He's their interim coach, too. Yeah. Yeah. So I saw on Twitter someone said that they were concerned the Falcons could be a team that could hang 40 and get a big lead on the Chiefs. 
which to what Peyton and I were talking about here at his house on Sunday last week, the Chiefs could be down 40 to nothing late in the game to the Falcons, and we're still coming back to win that. <laughs> Five minutes to go, it's perfect. Perfect. No, I think this – I still – I also agree with you because I know up front for the Falcons on their defense, Grady Jarrett, he's pretty good defensive tackle. Yeah. He doesn't quite get his due. He's a real quick, twitchy, explosive player. He's going to probably try to take advantage of our slow, stagnant interior guys like Wisniewski, who looked old and fat this week. It's probably why the Steelers cut him. Ryder, we know we got in him. And Nick Allegretti, he doesn't play bad by any stretch of the imagination. He's just not a great athlete. He doesn't have very good foot quickness. That could be a matchup that could give him a lot of trouble. Eric Fisher still has no back ligaments, so it'll probably be Wiley. I've, we've heard no word on Mitchell Schwartz. I wouldn't assume he's back. Hopefully Mike Rimmers can get back up front. Would you say Mitchell Schwartz is probably done for the season? I, Cody, I've been saying since – I've been saying that since it got started because when you're an offensive lineman and you hurt – here's when I knew he was hurting is when he, like, was not playing well early in the season. I said something's up here because he doesn't seem like he's blocking as well as he did last year. And then he left, like, a drive into the Buffalo game. And I was like, he was been trying to gut it out all this time, and he just yeah. couldn't gut it out anymore at that point, which really ticked me off because I saw people on Twitter going, going like, oh, as soon as Mitch Schwartz left, the Chiefs offensive line got better. And I'm like, did it get better, or was he playing hurt the entire season? Because you don't just make the all-pro team four straight years that all of a sudden you play that bad. I kind of had a feeling he was hurt since week one or so along those lines. I think he might be done for the season. I think he could potentially be done for the rest of his career, maybe. Even, we might not ever see him suit up for the Chiefs again. It's sad because he was such a staple of the Chiefs and of being one of the guys that helped Mahomes become the player he is. But it is the NFL, and they got to go next man up. And right now it's still looking like it's going to be Andrew Wiley out there. So we'll see how that goes. I still expect a lot of chip blocks to help with the pass rush. How do you guys think the Chiefs defense handles the old Atlanta secondary? Or the old not the Chiefs defense handles the old Atlanta passing game and Matt Ayers. I haven't heard anything else about Matthew. I haven't heard anything on Julio. I haven't heard much either. Which would be a big loss for them. I mean they do have Calvin Ridley's a dog. Yeah. Well, I what I was gonna say was right outside of the Chiefs, the Eagles when they're healthy, Atlanta's gotta be up there for I'd said it fastest team speed on defense, but offense, as far as weapons, they got a lot of speed on that defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would expect – I don't I don't know. Matt Ryan is just so hot and cold sometimes. I'm going to expect we try a lot of what we did against the Saints, a lot of man coverage, just to see where we're at. Um, maybe trying to get a basis of, of where we're going to try to scheme teams going into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But I think it, you could instantly flip and, you know, we start dropping eight and just trying to get zone eyes on Matt Ryan who – hopefully makes a couple bad decisions, and by then we're up two or three scores and the game's over. Caleb, how is their offensive line? Well, they have Alex Mack, who is a pretty good center, and outside of that, they're kind of up and down. They got one of the Matthews boys as one of their tackles. He's all right. He's Well, he's an above-average left tackle, I'd say. I don't think he's better than Eric Fisher when Eric Fisher is healthy 100%, but he's more than above-average. God, if there was a week that I'd think the Falcons would try to just run the quick game and take advantage of maybe the Chiefs having potentially Ben Neiman as not just a linebacker, not just a guy in the game, is the Chiefs' Mike, as because we don't know about Anthony Hitches yet. If there was ever a week that they're going to say, hmm, 
We're going to just let our running backs leak out. We're going to make this guy be an athlete. It's this week. I'm afraid they're going to run the same game plan the Panthers tried to run on the Chiefs, where it's just quit ball city, get it out of Matt Ryan's hand fast. Don't even let Matt Ryan think about it. Don't let him make any decisions. Just make it very clear who needs to get the ball here. That'll be so. I think that'll be very interesting. I just hope that Chris Jones and Frank Clark can bust out of their funk before the playoffs start. Because I mean, they're going to need to be able to go. And you know, right now it's not looking good for any of them. So I'm just hoping that they understand that you know that Super Bowl was last season. This season they need to come back out and show it again. And you know, I I think Chris Jones will have a decent week this week. They kind of struggle at the guard position. I could honestly also they have some they're they're guards for Atlanta. They're not very mobile. They're just like good pass protectors. I could see old uh Tershawn Wharton having a pretty good day on the against and run defense with his athletic ability. And I'd also be on the lookout for Mike Dana and Alex Okafor because to be honest, they've been our only edge pressure the last few weeks. So that's pretty much my all I've got for that unit. Chris Jones and Alex Max, that would be a pretty good that's going to be a hell of a matchup inside. Well, they might have Mac and actually Mac and Naughty. That's going to be a big. That's going to be a battle for position on, in the run game. Even though yeah. I bet, I think the Falcons are going to come out and Raheem Morris. He's going to be aggressive. He's going to say, "We're not going to try to run the ball. We're just going to try to score with the Chiefs." And because right. it doesn't mean anything for the for the Falcons at this point, they're just playing for pride. Right. Or if they're smart, they'll just lose. They'll just let us win jockey for draft picks but do the opposite of what the Jets just did yeah do the pull the opposite of the Jets I'm not afraid of the Rams anymore they're frauds oh I, I knew they were fraud. that's the that's the most wish wishy-washy team in the NFL how do you lose to the Jets and they've had a couple big statement wins this year earlier this season you know it starts off the top of my it head it starts and ends with Jared Goff it he's does. just not his I mean, he's if he's, he's on, he's on. He's a middle of the pack quarterback. Yeah. Usually, he can have great weeks, and then he can just disappear. Is Sean McVay that talented that he makes that average ass guy look incredible? If, I'm gonna say if you put Sean McVay, and I think uh, the old Vikings coach for the Browns has done a really good job. If you put Sean McVay on the Browns, that's a 12, 13 win team. I think. You think so? Huh? I do. I really do. You don't like seven, Kevin Stefanski that much? I think he's a good coach. I think he's done good with Baker, but I'm just I'm speaking on behalf of Michelle Bay. I think he's a really good coach. Here's what I'll say about the Browns: they're undisciplined. Yeah. They get a lot of penalties. Caleb, they make a lot of mistakes. What? They're the Browns. They are the Browns. They're still the Browns, they're even though the they're Browns. good. Even though they're still good. But I think now this is going back to the Chiefs Falcon week. I think. It'll be big this week. You know, we saw the Chiefs give up some big plays last week against the Saints when, what, the defense wasn't on the same page. Mm -hmm. We're losing our defensive play caller, Anthony Hitchens. So that most likely means Ben Neiman will be out there calling the plays for the Chiefs. And we just watched a play of Ben Neiman with his head turned to the quarterback (laughs) trying to signal everyone, and Drew Brees said, snap the ball. And playing the offense that we're playing, I do consider uh, Atlanta more of a big play offense. I think the key for the Chiefs this week on the defensive side, offense, we're going to score 40 like we always do. We're just to be get everybody on the same page. So I expect a very simple game plan and just trying to mitigate the big plays from the Atlanta Falcons. Dude, it would be nice to see some pass rush also. Would it be so difficult for the Chiefs to just Frank Clark to get be able to – well, that too. But I see people going, well, they're going to let Neiman play this week because he knows what's going on. He calls it – would it really be so hard to just have Daniel Sorensen – all the plays as a safety. Would it be that difficult? 
that dude could probably call the plays with his eyes closed and know what every situation would it be that hard just to put Willie Gay in and just have Dad walk up to him every play and tell him what he has to do? Yeah, that'd be. We've awesome. all we ever anyone that's ever played football, they've played with a guy who you got to sit there and tell him exactly what he has to do on every situation where he can't do it. Yep, I I play with guys like that now. I've played with guys like that back in the old day. And one of my old roommates, he used to panic when he would play offensive line because he's very stupid and kind of fat. <laughs> yeah, you know what it's like to have to tell someone we're going, le- we're running zone left or zone right. That's like the epitome of you're a dumbass when it comes <laughs> to this stuff. Especially when you've been playing football for 10 plus years and now you're in college. Yeah, I mean, it's like zone is zone everywhere you go. Right. All right, guys, it's that time of the week. By the way, uh, Mr. Peyton Spots' internship is over now. He is now a full-time Chiefs Take podcast member, even though he has not quite gotten a ch- – actually, last week, Peyton's Chiefs Take, they're going to evaluate their future quarterback position. They started a crippled Drew Brees over Taysom Hill. So, yeah, Peyton's was right last week. That's all you got to say about that. I was kind of counting on uh, Taysom Hill because when we recorded – Hill was still the starter, and that's what I was I was thinking we'd rattle him a little bit. Sean Payton hadn't made up his mind yet whether yeah. he wanted to kill Drew Brees or not. Yeah. No, what Sean Payton decided was is that we're better off going in with an injured Drew Brees hoping to see some more magic than the vanilla flavor <laughs> offense that Taysom Hill gives us. <laughs> we know the Chiefs are going to score 40, and we're going to hope to score 20. Right. Payton, let's hear it. What's this week's Chiefs take? This week, I'm taking Sammy Watkins to go over 100 yards and have at least one touchdown. Ooh, it's hot. I like it. Cody? Maybe you go first. No, you go first. I'm bringing something hot. It's got to be the last one. Scorch. All right, guys. Here's my Chiefs take of the week because I've actually been the kiss of death the last few weeks. So I think Eric Fisher is going to wink, wink, play a bad football game this week because I've been so right in the past. All right, Mr. All right, Mr. Heat Miser. It's almost Christmas time, by the way. So Cody's got a Heat Miser take here. Heat Miser take. Mahomes, there's a lot of talk about the MVP conversation. Ooh. There's a lot. I'm hearing a lot of chatter. Ooh. With a big play offense like Atlanta, our defense is going to give up some points. Lines out. Mahomes is going to throw five touchdowns. Two of them are going to be to Le'Veon Bell. How many yards Mahomes going for? I'm going to say he throws for 330. He throws 26 for 35. Five touchdowns. It's nice. There you have it. There you have it. Guys, it's been another good one. For everyone out there, uh, Merry Christmas, whether you're celebrating with family or whether your family does not want to celebrate this year. We hope that everyone has a great time celebrating any holiday for that matter, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, a Festivus for the rest of us, doesn't matter, baby. Chiefs by 90. This has been Chiefs Take, a production of Border Field Sports and Arrowhead Live. And as always, keep on keeping on.